Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today we are kicking off a brand new study on the book of Deuteronomy, and we are joined by our friend Jen Wilkin. Jen is an author and a Bible teacher in Dallas. She is, and I love this about her, she's an advocate for biblical literacy. You guys know we love that. Her passion is to see others become articulate and committed followers of Christ with a clear understanding of why they believe what they believe, grounded in the Word of God. Y'all, that is her mission statement, and I think it is so beautiful, and it is so clearly seen. You'll hear it in this episode as we talk about the first five reading days of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's get right to it. Guys, we are back to studying full books of the Bible. I'm so excited. Yay! We have spent the last 12 weeks Kind of doing this big, this is the Old Testament, this is the New Testament, looking yeah. at kind of like a book a day, or yeah, a book a day. Yeah. And Been like dipping it, our it toes has in. felt like so fast uh-huh. and wonderful doing this Bible survey this summer. And I've been so looking forward to just like the immediate pace change that we get to start this week. Yeah. Going to a book of the Bible and going slow in it. And I love that it's Deuteronomy. Right. Yeah. And I love that, Jen, you are joining us because as excited as Amanda and I are to be reading Deuteronomy with the community this month, you have just like a home base in the Pentateuch. Like you've been writing about and studying Exodus. And I mean, we know Deuteronomy is just so much about what happened in Exodus. Yeah, I got super excited looking over what we were going to cover today. I really did, because I love this part because it's a looking back at all of the things that we learned in Exodus, and you get these little editorial notes from Moses as he's recalling it all. So this is going to be super fun for me. Everybody else, buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited. Well, I mean, Rachel and I, I think, came in at like a a nine on the excitement scale, (laughs) and like, we're excited, but then Jen comes in at like a 12, and we're like, yes. Yeah, this is just what we needed to balance us right out at like an average ten. And it's, it's been fun because I'll confess, I think this is my first like in depth study of the Book of Deuteronomy. Oh, it's for sure mine. And so yeah. I am learning so much. Like I'm not sure I fully understood that the Book of Deuteronomy is it's not a narrative. It's not a series of events. Like it is yeah. just a series of speeches. It's it's Moses reminding the people of Israel who maybe weren't around at Mount Sinai or the Exodus of the law. For sure weren't, right? Yeah. Well, so what we know is that they're in the 40th year and the 11th, like we know that like they're kind of like at the 40 year mark from when they received the law and when they left Egypt. Yeah. It was cool how specific that was. It's like 40th year, 11th month, first day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is specific. Yeah. So like technically after it, they're like 39 years, 11 months or whatever. Anyway, it was just interesting to think about that in terms of it's 2021 right now. So this is talking to the people who, you know, maybe weren't born in 1981. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. It, That's what 40 years ago would be for us right now. So it's just interesting. Good, good math, Rachel. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but he's doing what you and I are supposed to do, which is remind, he's telling them, hey, teach this to your children, teach this to your grandchildren, talk about them as you walk on the road. But he's also doing that. He's going like, hey, Mm-hmm. I'm going to remind you what the law is. I'm going to remind you what it looks like to honor God. In fact, and we'll get into this because, I mean, we haven't even like opened day one yet, but it feels so much to me like launching a kid to college because you can't oh, go with them. Oh, we can ask Jen about I that. I know. Like, it's I actually horrible. Do wanna, I don't want to talk about I know. that. I, well, She's like, wait a minute. My excitement just fell. No, no. My, so like I have a, three. a son who's going to start his freshman year of high school. Yep. In same a couple my weeks. daughter. And I guess once this airs, he'll have started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he is a typical teenage boy in that he plays football. Not that that makes him typical, but that by playing football, he's already discussing what college will be recruiting mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. Um, and who that. he will play for. And you're just like, oh, bless your heart. I hope yeah, that works yeah. out for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's he asked me the other day, mom, you know, which college do you hope recruits me? <laughs> None. <laughs> yeah. The and like, where do you want me? And I was just like, I'm going to give you such a mom answer, bud. But like Vanderbilt, it, I would love for it to be close. And I would love for it to be Christian college just because I love Christian education. I just have always been such a champion of Christian education, even outside of the home, outside of the church. And anyway, and he and I had ended up, it kind of came into this discussion of, but here's the thing, bud, 
you have to take God with you. Like you have to go with him. You have to know what you know and why you know it. You have to know what is true. Whether you go to a Christian school, like a state school, wherever you go, like you have to take the Lord with you and you can slip anywhere. Like it was just an interesting conversation. And then I started reading Deuteronomy and I was like, oh, Moses, I get you. Yeah. Because he can't go with them. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, Do do not adopt their gods. Do not be ensnared. Like it's like, oh, this is. Yeah. Mm. I didn't think about it. And I'm honestly, I'm glad. Uh, and that helps me, though. It helps me understand what we're going into with the book of Deuteronomy. Like, it helps right. us. Yeah. I love the roots and shoots. I think that's exactly right because so many of our community read Joshua with us for Lent last mm. spring. And so as I was reading Deuteronomy, I was like, oh, wait, I know about this because I read about it in Joshua. I know about this. And so many echoes in the Old Testament. Yeah, so it's sort of this like, in some ways, like sequel to Exodus, prequel to Joshua. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not, again, like... This is kind of written, it's not like the events of the book of Deuteronomy span really more than a year even. Like mm-hmm, it's right. it's a short time where he's going like, this is what's going to happen. And I need you to remember, I'm not able to go with you and which we'll talk about, but like, I'm going to give you the law again and I'm going to remind you again. And it feels so parental. Mm-hmm. It just does. Yeah. Oh. What else do we need to know about Deuteronomy? I don't know that I can in? keep talking about it I now. Know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, we... here's something cool about Deuteronomy. Oh, yeah. um, of the Old Testament books, it is the third most quoted in the New Testament. Jesus and the apostles, they refer back to Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Only The only two books that they quote more are Psalms and Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like even like you think about right away in Matthew chapter four in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, yes. and he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He didn't come up with that on the fly. Like he actually knew his Bible and he's quoting Deuteronomy, which we'll actually read. We'll read that Mm -hmm. this week. Anyway, I just think it's beautiful to remember that these ancient, ancient books, these books that were old when Jesus was in ministry Mm -hmm. um, are still so special and important for us. And I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful that we have this law. Well, it tells us that Jesus embodied Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And it also tells exactly us that the right. New Testament authors were also following that pattern. And so it's fascinating to me how often I run into students of the Bible who spend a ton of time in the New Testament who have not recognized that these are things from the Old Testament, because I think we mm-hmm. feel like the Old Testament's scary, right? And hard to get right. into. So that's why yeah. I'm so happy. That's why I'm a 12 today, because you guys are going to yes. take us yes. there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think, let me think, other things about Deuteronomy, I think a good thing for us to remember is that this law that is given, you know, repeated in Deuteronomy is, and really all of the instruction that Moses gives in these speeches, it's not dropped into like a kitchen table in America in 2021. Like it was initially so. like the audience <laughs> the audience was the people of Israel, this nomadic people. They'd been travelers and now they needed to establish a place and a community and a a city. They needed to establish systems and laws. And yeah. really, as you compare what happened here with Moses and, and the Lord giving the law through Moses, You know, the only thing you could compare it to is like Hammurabi's code, right? Like other ancient laws or things. And the difference, which I think is so, we think of this as New Testament, but it's so beautifully Old Testament, is that Hammurabi's code even had a hierarchy of like a social hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And it actually gave favoritism to people and status. And that is not something that you will find anywhere. It is like a seeking out and protecting and providing for the marginalized, which is so opposite. And such a foreshadowing of Jesus. And such a foreshadowing of Jesus. Yeah. Like even yeah. like these cities of refuge and these, anyway, beautiful. Let's go. I'm that, excited. Well, but that's something, you hit on something that I think has been key for me because I'll just admit that I felt and still feel pretty out of my depth when it comes to Deuteronomy because I've, I don't even know that I like, I'm trying to remember when I've read it all the way through. And I have, but like, I just didn't, it's been a long time. I don't feel like I've sat in it. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's one of those, it's like, you know, it's earlier on and you're kind of powering through if you're reading through the Bible and it can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so I actually took that as encouragement as we were approaching it to prepare because I know, here's what I know. It's what we've already said. Like, this is God's word. It is good. Yeah. Because he is good. Yeah. And so if there are things that I don't understand, 
then that's okay. There's freedom in that because I know whose word this is right. mm-hmm. and I know why it exists. It exists to show us who he is yeah. and to teach us who we are mm-hmm. and how we live in relationship with him. And so and there's, with each other. that's right. And with each other. And there's so much here like to know. So one thing with that is like the framework for me approaching to remember that they didn't have a legal system. They didn't have like banking, you know, like it addresses like debt and stuff like that. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, like there are no rules for this. Mm -hmm. And so it's so beautiful to see God's heart for his people and like his holiness and also his heart for, you know, the forgotten. You know, because even though there's no social system or not like necessarily a social hierarchy, you know, there are people who are in the margins and forgotten because we're humans. Right. And so just the the protection, like this fierce protection for them. So anyway, helpful for me as we begin Mm -hmm. on our journey, which I will stop talking so we can to remember (laughs) that um, that there are just a lot of baked in stuff Mm -hmm. that we have as just a functioning society. Yeah that didn't exist Mm -hmm. for them. And so it's helpful for me to remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I think also we will get to the actual reading of this book, I promise. We might, yeah. Um, (laughs) So one thing, if you have your study books, girls or guys, page 15 has this really helpful tips for reading Old Testament law that you might want to read. It's just a good framing. Really, that whole spread is going to be helpful for you as you go into this book. I think it was Jessica, our um, editorial director, who said, Think of this as sort of the Israelites' generational moment, because the people who disobeyed God had to die in the wilderness, and the next generation, God said to them, you can't enter the promised land, and we had to wait for these people to die, and their children would enter. And so this is that, like I was saying, like from 1981 to 2021, <laughs> like that 40 years, it helps me to yeah, think yeah. of it in like modern time. Like, But this is their moment to really choose you this day who you will serve and mm. to learn what it looks like to walk with God because their fathers didn't. Their fathers chose not to walk with God and mm-hmm. that, hence the wilderness wandering for 40 years. Yeah. So anyway, I love it. I'm excited. Let's get right into day one. We're approaching this study in kind of, there's sort of four sections. And the first one is God's faithfulness to Israel. And so it's exactly what we've just been talking about. They, you know, they're waiting to cross over the Jordan River. And Moses is like, there are some things you need to know. I need to remind you of some things. And it's a lot. And pay attention because I'm not coming with you. That's right. And so he is speaking to them and he is reminding them of their story and their history and their parents, you know, disobedience. So I think it covers just like the first three days of our reading this week. But that's what we're doing. So Jen... I bet you would love to read for us. I would love for you to read. Yes. Well, how much would you like me to read? <laughs> would would you do story. chapter one, maybe starting 22? Here's the thing. I would love, there's just so much framing really between verses 22 through 45, which is probably too much to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe read through 28. Okay. Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskal and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. I mentioned just a minute ago that the generation of Israelites in the wilderness were not able to enter the promised land. And so this is Moses retelling that story. And so you can see they've scouted the promised land and they, the word choice, and you read, what translation did you read, Jen? It was the ESV. I'm sorry, ESV. I should have asked if you wanted me to read a different no, translation. Okay. No, okay. I, 
I love it. It's You're totally great. fine. But also the CSB says kind of the same thing, that the cities are large, fortified to the heavens. I think you said the walls go mm-hmm. up to heaven. Mm-hmm. The word choice there was so interesting to mm-hmm. me. Because up to heaven, like as if it's the highest place. But where does the Lord God dwell? But in heaven, like in mm-hmm. the highest place. And it was just interesting that they were like, oh, it's just so high and so right. big. But this is, and so from there, you know, Moses is going like, wait, like, don't be afraid. And they're going like, no, we're super afraid. And then verse 35, he says, none of these men in this evil generation will see the good land I swore to give to your ancestors, except... Caleb, the son of, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land on which he has set foot, because he remained loyal to the Lord. Yeah. And I mean, I just go straight back to Lent with our community and thinking about how we read about Caleb and how he went to Joshua and he was like, God promised. What gets me about what you just read is that there in verse 28, the CSB says, where can we go? The people are larger and taller than we are. And then the part about the cities and the walls. The problem is that they are looking at, they're saying like, they're bigger than us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of saying, Mm -hmm. our God is bigger than them. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like the perspective is backwards here. And the like, where can we go? This is literally about you going into the promised land. That's where you can go. That's where you can go. Because the Lord has made a way. And so, you know, in Caleb, we get that beautiful story of Caleb and Joshua where Caleb is saying bringing back the fruit yeah, and everyone else is saying it's yeah. terrifying. And yeah. 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 And their refrain over and over again is basically why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the desert when God has explicitly said he's brought them out to worship him right. according to the way that he has designated and to show Egypt that he is Yahweh. And mm-hmm. so if you think about this generation that said, you know, they've built cities that reach up to the sky. First of all, there's a lot of irony in that statement because that's exactly what the builders of the Tower of Babel said. Let's build us a tower that reaches to heaven and then God comes Mm -hmm. down. The children of Israel have seen God come down on Mount Sinai. They have seen God come down and inhabit the tabernacle. They have seen God crush Egypt in 10 plagues. That generation that said these people are too tall for us is the same generation that experienced Passover and the parting of the Red Sea 10 months before this incident happens. And so it makes more sense then why Moses would say over and over again in Deuteronomy, remember, do not forget, remember, do not forget, because they've already demonstrated an aptitude for forgetfulness. And so Joshua and Caleb are the ones who act according to the pattern that we saw with the Hebrew midwives in Exodus that we've seen Moses and Aaron sort of grow into. And that is, are you going to fear Pharaoh or are you going to fear God? Because the fear of man lays a snare, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so this is a call over and over again. Will you fear God or will you fear man? And that's the gateway that they're standing at once again, 40 years later. And so they've had 40 years and 10 months between them and God's miraculous deliverance. So they really need this refresher course. That's exactly right. And then following what we just read in verse 37, it says, and this is Moses again giving a speech, and he says, the Lord was angry with me also because of you and said, you will not enter there either. Joshua, son of Nun, who attends you, will enter it. Encourage him, for he will enable Israel to inherit it. And so this is him just going like, here comes Joshua, and it's such a humble, hard moment for Moses to go. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, that verse 40, but you are to turn back and head for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. I mm-hmm. mean, that is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in 42, the Lord said to me, tell them, don't go up and fight, for I am not with you to keep you from being defeated by your enemies. Mm-hmm. So you know, I spoke to you, but you didn't listen. And it's, this is the story. It continues to happen. And so that, you know, all as, as I'm reading in these first several chapters of Deuteronomy, I don't know who to attribute it to, because I feel like it's just something we say often, but that we humans, mm-hmm. we believers, Jesus followers, we're forgetful people. Mm-hmm. And so this reminding, and not just reminding us, but reminding us to remind each other and ourselves, yeah. you yes. know, it's this refrain, it's just going to keep going. It's one of the reasons I love the 
the subtitle of this reading plan is Love the Lord Your God. And that's one of the phrases that we just hear over and over in the book, mm-hmm. along with so many others. You know, the just so many times it's like, be careful, remember, follow, you know, all of these things that we're just going to hear over and over. Mm-hmm. Then we get into chapter two, which was interesting to read because it's this series of like kind of passing through three cities and in every one, God is saying, pass through. Like, don't be aggressive with them. Don't, That's right. Don't try to overtake them because you will not succeed. The first city that they pass through is, it's spelled S-E-I-R. I think it's Seir. But this is the sort of the descendants of Esau. And God says, don't provoke them for I will not give you any of their land, not even a foot of it, because mm-hmm. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his possession. And that's just like this like beautiful little moment where you see that God's faithfulness extends Beyond just the people of Israel to like, I will keep my promises Mm -hmm. to a thousand generations and to a thousand Mm -hmm. people groups. Whatever I say I will do, I will do. And it is not limited just to this. Right. Two things that I love about this study book, and there are many, but um, one, I really love that our editorial team kind of did the extra work of putting footnotes at the bottom of any page where like it Mm -hmm. would be helpful because... You know, what we do is we do our reading and then we try and have correlated reading, you know, every day. But there was so much related reading specifically to Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. that these like little footnotes like FC also was just like, we cannot fit everything (laughs) every day. That's like we have the going deeper and then we have like go even deeper. So I love that. But I also really appreciate that we handle response pages differently in in different reading plans, but the response pages in the Deuteronomy book, the first thing you're supposed to do is just observe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's so helpful to just go like, I don't have to understand everything Mm -hmm. that I'm reading or make sense of it. But if I just take the first step, which is really what we can do in any book of the Bible, it's not exclusive to Deuteronomy in any, by any means, it's a good act of Bible study. But I appreciate the space to simply observe what we're reading Uh as we begin to make sense of it or understand it. And then, and it says, what questions do you have? I'm like, oh, I'm going to need more space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The two questions are, what is happening in today's text and what questions do you have? Uh It's just Uh beautiful. Like, honestly, that's the kind of taking I like to do. Yeah. Because let me, where do I begin? (laughs) Yeah. It's the descendants of Esau, you know, they do become the enemies of Israel and also lots descendants, like the whole setup that Moses has given in Genesis and even into Exodus is preparing this generation that's about to go into the promised land to understand why these people are Mm -hmm. set against them. But God does designate for them where they will live. He gives them a possession. And I think it reminds me of in the creation account where he sets the boundaries for everything, for the oceans. You know, he sets the boundaries for where the waters will be, for where the sky will be. And so I think that we sometimes look around at the enemies of God, so the spiritual enemies of God, and think— are they unbound? Like, can they just do whatever they want? And the answer is no. The Lord sets the boundaries. And not only that, but He uses their adversarial presence to shape and mold us to be those who remember Him. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not evil is not good, but God uses the opposing forces of evil to shape us until such time as He fully and finally makes them His footstool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. amen. That's a word, Jen. In day two, so we just, I mean, man, we cover a lot of territory. You were talking about, Rachel, that we want to like, it's nice to go slow in a book. And we are, but also fast. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because there's just a lot of words. That's fair. That's Rachel and I, you know, at some point in prepping for this, like, man, there are just a lot of words in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. You're just reminded as you read them Mm -hmm. over and over. But it's good. Like, give them to me. I want to read them. It really helped me after I read, like, so I, of course, in preparing for this week, I read all the text for the week, but then I sat twice the last two days and listened through it. I love to listen. And that just helped me. I mean, like, super recommend being able to just like listen to it. Also, just to like better understand, even just in the observance, it's just helpful. Yeah. At the end of chapter two and all through chapter three, we just see, you know, him recounting like the kings that they defeat by the Lord's power. And, the you know, you just kind of get these stories that at first read sound similar to one another, you know, this taking down of these kings. But I love in verse 21 of chapter three, I commanded, this is Moses again, I commanded Joshua at that time, your own eyes have seen everything the Lord your God has done to these Mm -hmm. two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms you are about to enter. Don't be afraid. There's another 
refrain that we hear, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of them, for the Lord your God fights for you. Mm -hmm. And it continues, like you're just going to hear echoes both forward and backward of like, you know, like you said, Rachel, of like Exodus and then of Joshua as we continue to read. But man, that Hebrews passage. It feels like, you know, as we've been studying Deuteronomy in preparation for this, it just strikes me, at least this first week especially, as such a book of invitation. Mm -hmm. Just come to me, come to me, obey Mm -hmm. me, like be holy as I'm holy, like walk with me. It's just such a invitation, but almost like also a pursuit, like Mm -hmm. it's God in pursuit and God inviting. And so then when you see at the end of day two, Hebrews three, Amanda, will you read that passage? Yeah, I would love to. So this is verses 13 through 19, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end of the reality that we had at the start. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I mean, if we could paraphrase... (laughs) Yeah, Moses, you know, like, don't do this again, you guys. Like, let's. Yeah. And for those who remember who did the Joshua read through with you guys, I mean, this is Sion and Og, these two kings. They're a significant Mm -hmm. marker. And if you remember Mm -hmm. the story of Rahab, Rahab says to the spies, we heard about you when the Lord parted Mm -hmm. the Red Sea and delivered you from Egypt and when you defeated the kings of Sion and Og. And what she's done there is she's bookended this 40-year period. She's like, we were afraid of you 40 years ago, and then you never showed (sighs) up. And then 40 years later, we hear of you again. That's heartbreaking to me. I mean, because you yeah. think about, we think about Israel's deliverance in this, but mm-hmm. here is a woman who waited 40, like, think back to 1981. Right. You know, think <laughs> what, and, and what was Rahab's life like for those 40 years? as she waited for a deliverer. And I think we forget that it's not just Mm -hmm. that God is delivering Israel into the promised land, but that there are those outside of the covenant promises who are going to be brought in. Mm -hmm. And Israel's forgetfulness and disobedience does not only impact Israel negatively. And I think if the children of God recognized that our disobedience or our deafness to the Lord's word has a greater impact than just on our own situation, like this is where the individualism that's crept into the church today drives me insane. It is. Stop talking about your personal relationship with the Lord and understand that your sin has a collateral impact on people around you. Um, That that and a ripple effect beyond. Right. That's right. That there's no such thing as a sin committed in isolation. And so, Sion and Og are markers that the forty years has come to an end. Midway through chapter two, verse twenty-five. God says, this day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Sion and Og are God's flare, his warning signal to the people of Canaan that the fear of the Lord is coming for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. Like, that's an expression we have. (laughs) It's coming from here. This it's yeah. meant it's meant to rightly orient us that the God who's seated and thrown between the cherubim is among us. Yeah. And that's good news for those who follow him, and it's supremely bad news for those who reject him. Yep. And Rahab got the message. Yes, she did. You know, she saw it and she made a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't harden her heart. She speaks the first lines of the Apostles' Creed. She basically says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. When she's, I mean, I'm like, I'm I'm punching the air. Oh my gosh, true believer in the midst of Jericho, like waiting for Yahweh's deliverance. That's a great story, but we're not there. We're in Deuteronomy. We're going to be good. We're going to stay in Deuteronomy. That's right. But I love that, like, these threads, this is Mm -hmm. the beauty of reading the Bible over time Mm -hmm. and just continue, guys, just continue to chip away. (laughs) It's okay if you've never read Deuteronomy. We're reading it now, and these connections are just all over the place. 
Hey friends, I want to take a quick break from this conversation to tell you about a new study that we have starting at the end of September. If you've spent much time reading the Bible, you know what it feels like to see yourself in some of the characters you read about. God often uses ancient true stories to soften our hearts, to show us our sin, and in the case of the book of Hosea, to remind us of how faithful and in pursuit of us He always is. This story is so deeply heartbreaking and yet incredibly redeeming on a number of levels. This unique picture of God's faithfulness in the book of Hosea is a can't miss, and Amanda and I are particularly excited about the guests that we have planned for this podcast series. As you know, though, the best Shiri's Truth experience is so much richer than just the podcast. This is just the preview trailer or the pep talk for your daily Bible reading ahead of you this week. You will want your Hosea study books for this series, and if you aren't a subscriber, now is the time to place those orders so that you can have them in time for Hosea in September. So head to shopshereadthruth.com now and use code HOSEA10 for 10% off your Hosea study book. That's H-O-S-E-A-1-0 at shopshereadthruth.com. I love this conversation because I feel like it just really like thrust us into day three where we get into chapter four and there's just, I mean, I wanted to like underline the whole chapter right. because it's I was like, can so... we read this whole, no, we can't. Can, can, can we, we read, read the whole chapter? Can we just read the this podcast? <laughs> we're now, and now we're we can tra- do whatever we want. <laughs> That's right. Transitioning podcast. <laughs> to the She Reads Truth audio Bible. Yeah. Which, yes, but it's so beautiful. And just that like mm-hmm. wanting I had this thought as I was praying on the way to the office this morning as we were going to record, and I was thinking about my age, right? Okay, I'm 42, and I was thinking, you know, I might be, Lord willing, I'm about halfway, right? And I just thought it fired me up because I Mm -hmm. thought, it is not too late Mm -hmm. for me to dig deeper and to really, I just thinking about my children and my community and my neighborhood and my church. And just like, there is so much time, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is the time and I don't want to harden my heart. And it really fired me up there for a little bit on the way here this morning. In chapter four, we talk about like the repeated phrases in the book of Deuteronomy. One of the ones I noticed for sure was that line, diligently watch yourselves. I don't know. what, what is Oh, man. So many times. And in be the careful. ESV, so that's the CSB. What is in the ESV? What verse is that? Like even verse nine, only be on guard and diligently oh, yeah. watch yourselves. It says, what and is it keep there? your soul diligently. Yeah. Is that okay? So tell me what verse 15 starts with. Verse 15 says, therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Okay. okay. I think that this diligently watch yourself, Amanda, even when you said, like, I'm halfway there, right? Like, the Lord willing, and like the Lord tarries, mm-hmm. and he gives me this life. You know, we're about midway. And I just think about how tempting it is at the midway point to be like, all right, well, I've done the hard stuff, and like, and I'm, I'm worn just, out. I'm just yeah. here to, you know, do whatever is left to do, but like to diligently watch yourselves, I think is so, I think that's such an important, and what did you say? What was the ESV of it? The ESV of it. Watch yourselves (laughs) very carefully or keep your soul diligently. Keep your soul. The keep your soul is a, I that's love a, that. Mm-hmm. I so think the nine, New Testament, the New Testament equivalent of that would be work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, I oh, think that's we don't. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think because we don't. You know, we think of like, oh, well, Jesus is going to keep my soul, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. true. Like we are kept in Christ, but we also are charged with the care and keeping of our soul. We partner in that work with regard to our sanctification. Um, We're called to be holy as he is holy. And that's, yeah, that's why he'll reference the law in all of this. So so Deuteronomy 4, verse 5 says, look, I have taught you statutes. And this is, again, I want to make sure that you guys know when I quote scripture, who's talking. So again, Deuteronomy is the series of speeches from Moses. And he's quoting God and also just speaking to Israel. And so in verse five, he says, look, I've taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you're entering to possess. Carefully follow them for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. And then verse nine, only be on guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. And then he goes on to say, like, assemble the people and like remind 
remind them of what is true. Like, mm. don't just teach them to your children and grandchildren, but assemble the people. Like, let's gather together and remember what God has done. And then verse 15, diligently watch yourselves again. And in this, he's kind of just going like, when God was on the mountain, you didn't see his form. So don't create a form to worship. And then again, he says, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. It's this whole chapter of mm-hmm. Moses just going I don't know how many more ways to say it or how many more times to say it, but be on guard for your own soul, for the souls of your children, of your grandchildren, of your community. I cannot emphasize enough how much this matters. Yeah. They're on a pivot point, right? They have have come out of many-god Egypt, and they're heading into many-god Canaan. And what God knows is that what... Egypt felt like feels more familiar to them. It is their first impulse toward polytheism instead of toward a monotheistic understanding of the world that Yahweh is God. And so what he wants is to reorient them. And I think we think what he's trying to do is just make them forget Egypt, but it's more than that. He wants them to remember Eden, okay? And I think this Mm. is what we miss, is that if Israel did what God had said, if they obeyed the Ten Commandments, if they lived according to the statutes and the laws that he gives them, what they would be doing is re-Edenizing the world, because the Ten Commandments were perfectly obeyed in Eden, and they will be perfectly obeyed again in the New Jerusalem. So what he is proposing to them is if you want to be set apart, if you want to be people who are sanctified, he said a royal priesthood and a holy nation, that's already been said to them uh, back Mm -hmm. in Exodus, this is how it looks. You obey my Mm -hmm. law. That is what makes you different from everyone around you. They're not going to feel great about that, but it's God's kindness to them that he would show them the way to walk in. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's going to look completely different, as you pointed out, you know, when you referenced Hammurabi, it's going to look extremely different from the people around them because it's going to be about loving God and loving neighbor the way that we were Mm -hmm. intended to. Yeah, yeah. I think the echo that we're hearing throughout Deuteronomy is obedience matters. Yeah. And even um, at the end of day three, that John chapter 14, 15 is Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll keep, keep my, my commands. commands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he'll say later, yeah. he says later in First John 5, 3, and this is love, that we keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I love that so oh, much. I love that so I much. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have a tendency, you know, I think there's a theme running through the modern church today that God's commands are a burden. Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, I have a sneaking suspicion why. I think we spend too much time in the Pauline epistles at the expense of other books of the Bible because many of them are short. Uh, and yeah. so and so we tend to like, oh, let's read Ephesians again. Oh, let's read Philippians again. And Paul is dealing a ton with our justification. So he's going to mm-hmm. talk about how the law condemns us, right? Mm-hmm. But you start looking into the rest of the scripture to get the whole picture, and you realize he's speaking about justification, but sanctification, the law is the narrow path that points us to what pleases God. It's a joyful obedience out of gratitude, right? That's right. Uh, not yeah. a fearful obedience that's grudging, but it is... The law, rather than be a burden to us, becomes a light to our path, as it's described in the Psalms. Yes, absolutely. right. And then we get to section two. We're already on section two of our Deuteronomy book. What's happening now? Like, so... I mean, it's what Jen just said. Like, now we get into this section where Moses is recounting the laws become more specific. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it goes kind of from being like talking about the law to like, here are some laws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we start off with the Ten Commandments in this section, um, the greatest command, and then Mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And so, what Moses is doing, it's what Jen just said. He's showing them what it means to live as people of God and to live in response. You know, we've just spent, he spent a lot of words reestablishing God is faithful, even when you're not. And now in response to that, here's how you are to live in relationship with him, in relationship with each other. Jen, you have a book on the Ten Commandments. And Ten by have, to live I don't by. mean just possess, but I wrote. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Yes, let's clarify. You have written a book yes. on the Ten Commandments, which is probably, I'm going to guess that there aren't lots of them. Um, no, certainly not, not for women. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. So the book no. is called 10 Words to Live By, is that right? Yes. 
Okay. And when did you write it? Uh, it came out, gosh, it's all so fuzzy. I think it came out in March <laughs> of this year. Yeah. Okay. So you were writing it maybe even in 2020 or 2019. I was. I finished it okay. during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love a chance to interview an author and especially about somebody who wrote a book about the Ten Commandments. Like, what did you like? I mean, I encourage everyone listening to buy the book and read the whole book for yourselves. But I would just love to hear from you, Jen, like, especially as we're going into this part of Deuteronomy, what surprised you as you were studying and preparing and writing? Like, what did you, if I can even ask, like, what convicted you? What were you challenged by? Or what did you see fresh? I think the thing that jumped out at me the most that I probably hadn't spent enough time thinking about prior to writing the book was the significance of the fourth commandment, the Sabbath command. First of all, in Deuteronomy, you guys know, the Sabbath command is going to just be explored expansively by Moses. And we find out it's taken from, you know, the being a way to honor God on a particular day to being a Mm -hmm. concept that underlies rest for animals and land and, you know, crops and, I mean, and debt forgiveness and servitude, all of these things are woven into the fabric of this nation. And I think that I had not meditated enough on the significance of this to a people who are recently liberated slaves, because Mm. the gods of Egypt demanded labor without rest. And Yahweh doesn't just command Sabbath, He demands that it be observed. Like he's like, not only, I'm not suggesting that you rest, I'm saying that the whole universe is created according to these terms. And so um, when you rest, you are saying something that is true about me, you know, and that is that you can cease your labors and the world continues to rotate on its axis. And that's a really important reminder for us, right? Like the plate spinners and the people who are like, I can keep it all going. Mm -hmm. Um, And... All things were created by him and for him, and, and yeah. all things are held together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I had always thought about Sabbath rest in pretty simplistic terms, you know, that it was like, oh, I just need to be still to or church. I need to, yeah, go to church and then not take a Nazarene not, nap. That's what we did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the idea that it's not just seeking my own rest, but seeking rest for others, you know, like you see Jesus heal the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. Why? What is he doing? Mm-hmm. He is granting rest from his suffering. But I had not, like, I love to get pedicures. That's like a really fun thing for me still. I don't get out much. And that is a way that I rest, but it's not Sabbath rest because someone else is laboring for my rest. And so true Sabbath rest does not require work from someone else to be achieved. And so I just hadn't hadn't spent time thinking about that, you know? I love that. Yeah. Because as long as, yeah, as long as someone else is laboring on your behalf or so that you still have a sense of like multitasking where you're like, oh yeah, I sat on the couch, but Roomba still vacuumed my whole house. So I'm still killing it. You know, it's like, wait a minute. I still think I'm keeping everything running. So it's a lot to think about. That's good. You can make yourself crazy with it. If you didn't know that the Lord, the Lord has grace for you when you fail. (laughs) Yeah, We're studying um, the law of Moses right now at church. And just this past Sunday, we studied the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. And it was such a beautiful sermon. Like I sent it to friends. I was like, you guys have to listen to this. This is so exciting because yeah. I, you're right. I think that there is so much for us to still learn about keeping the Sabbath, even as our pastor was talking about how to minister to people. Like yes. that, not just that the ministers minister, but that the people of God minister yes. mm-hmm. to one another on the Sabbath. And then he quoted Eugene Peterson, and I'm going to get it wrong. And whoever is writing our show notes this week, I'm very sorry, but it'll probably be there. Eugene Peterson said that the Sabbath is the day that we put down our unfinished work to tend to the finished work of Christ. Oh, that's so good. And I just thought, oh, yeah, tend to the, not just like an observe the finished work of Christ, but tend to, which is what you're saying. Like, how can we minister Mm -hmm. to one another and not just have Sabbath? Sabbath is super passive, like you said, Jen, in that we're acknowledging and saying something that God holds Uh all things together and it's not us. But in the same way, like, how are we sharing and showing that? Yeah. My friend Mason King preached a really great sermon on Sabbath, and he he talked about the influence that the self-care movement has had on our understanding of Sabbath. And he yeah. said, Sabbath is not about self-care, but about self-denial. 
And Ooh. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so uh, good. That's so good. I mean, and, but there is a form, you know, there is a way in which it is caring for our souls, but it is not the sure. way that we want it. You know, we want it to be about I take my Nazarene nap. Yeah. And, hey, yeah. naps are from the Lord. I fully oh, yeah. acknowledge the beauty of the nap. But that it's an expansive obedience. And that was kind of the whole impulse behind the book, too, on the Ten Commandments was that we read them and we go, oh, I'm pretty good. I I did fine with that. I haven't killed anybody. Right, right, right. But that it's calling us to an expansive, to a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, to put it in Jesus' terms. That's right, um, yeah. Meaning right motive attached to right behavior, not simply right behavior to tick a box and earn approval. Oh, that's that's perfect. I love that. Yes, yes. So on day four, we read the Ten Commandments. Y'all, that will be Thursday for you this week. And I just encourage you as you read on Thursday, maybe read them out loud. Do something that takes a familiar set of words and just helps you hear them fresh. In any of this, every day this week as you read, friends, I encourage you to just truly ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate what He's already inspired Mm -hmm. and to convict you. Like, I think that, you know, in we love to quote Second Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we get so excited about the God-breathed part, and sometimes we forget about the correcting, rebuking, and training. <laughs> and so I even just encourage y'all as you read, Lord, rebuke me. Lord, correct me. Lord, train me. And so to invite Him to do the things that He said His Word is good to do and faithful to do. So as you all are reading any of this, I encourage that. But especially on day four, as you read something that's familiar, sometimes we breeze past it. Well, and a good skill, too, that you can exercise here is if you take the do nots and you rewrite them as a do. So take the prohibition and write it as an approbation. So if it says, um, you will have no other gods before me, how would you state that as a positive statement? And that can help you dig down to the motive behind why you would obey such a command. Okay, so give us an example of that. How would you rewrite it? It's a great exercise. So you shall have no other gods before me. You could restate it as honor God alone. Yeah. Or um, don't murder. Value and uphold life. Yeah. Uh, You know, so take a look at the Ten Commandments and ask, okay, this is what it's telling me not to do. Or in some cases, Mm -hmm. it's telling you what you should do. Keep the Sabbath holy. So what's the do not that would be associated with that? And it can help you to meditate on the passage versus just read it and go, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. So like for the Sabbath, it would be do not deny yourself or others rest. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Or don't lie to yourself that you're in charge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're making it all happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good exercise. I love that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I I mean, these days are my, am I allowed to say favorite? This, um, the day four (laughs) and five readings are so, so good and rich, Mm -hmm. just so rich. And we're just not, not going to make it all the way through all of them, but I, I want us to read from Deuteronomy 6 mm-hmm. because there's a passage here called the Shema. That word means listen. Mm-hmm. It's that first word in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Listen, Israel, mm-hmm. the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is the passage, verses 4 through 9, this is the passage that we've chosen to memorize as a community during these five weeks. So it's kind of a tall order, especially if scripture memory is something that you're not really used to, but I encourage you because, and the encouragement for memorizing this is actually in the passage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well done. Let's, well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's read it together. Let's read it from the CSB since that's what we're going to, since that's what yeah. we're going to memorize. Rachel, would you want to read it? It's yeah. four through nine in sure. Deuteronomy six. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Ugh. Listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. (laughs) Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Find them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your city gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's so many times, and this is going to, even that is going to be repeated in just a couple chapters, Mm -hmm. you know, almost not verbatim, but you're going to be like, wait, did I just read that? And you did. Yeah. It's just very important. (laughs) Here's the thing. So Moses tells us multiple times. Mm -hmm. I, I love about Jen that 
you have self-described yourself as an advocate for biblical literacy, right? Like this is something that matters mm-hmm. to you and you know mm-hmm. and from our relationship that this is something that yes. matters a whole lot to yep. Amanda and me as well. But that's what's happening in the Shema, like in this passage, just saying, know your Bible. Yes. It's saying, remind each other of it. Make it such a fabric of your lives mm-hmm. that you cannot forget it and that you can't like I think about it used to be easy for me I used to have a problem losing my phone Mm -hmm. Um, and then the more I relied on it and more I used it and enjoyed it if I have forgotten my phone I'll know within a minute like I, if I leave the house mm. without my phone, I'm going to plug it into my car yeah. and, oh, it's it's missing. I've forgotten my phone. Like I rarely yeah. leave my phone anywhere for too much time. And I think that's this. I think it's hmm. like make the word of the Lord and the law of the Lord so essential to every minute of your day, to every yep. every moment of your day that it can't be forgotten, that you will notice if it is missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know that not everyone will do this because— there is a significant, that idea of it being bound to your hand or your forehead, if that is jiggling anyone's New Testament memory, you might think about in Revelation where the mark of the beast is said to be on someone's forehead or on their hand. And what we're seeing here is the opposite of thinking and acting according to the way of the world is thinking and acting according to the way of the Lord because it is so in you. It is so saturated in you. So if any of you have seen scary movies about the mark of the beast and you're worried someone's going to tattoo your forehead Mm -hmm. or your hand, the best guard you can have against being sucked into someone else's agenda, whether it's spiritual or literal, if you want to take a literal reading of that, knock yourself out, is to have God's word on your forehead and on your hand in the way that Deuteronomy is speaking of. So yeah, you can't beat it. Amen. Oof. I also, and I can't find it right now, but I know it's somewhere in five or six. I, the reason I can't remember is because I was listening to it. That's the downside of listening yeah. to scripture. You're like, where was that? I can't remember. But it's said in different ways a couple of times in these passages, but it says, you know, listen to this word, do not mm-hmm. add to it, mm-hmm. do not take yes. away from it. That is in there somewhere. It is in there somewhere. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's easy to think about how easy it would be to take away from it. So can we talk for a second about what it would look like for us to add to it? And this is, this is, I mean, this is what the Pharisees did, right? Like this is... This is the first commandment. You will have no other gods before me. So the Pharisee says, I'm going to worship God and the law. It's God and, God and, God and. So we say, I'm going to worship God and money. I need a certain amount in my bank account. Or I'm going to worship God and fitness. Or I'm going to worship God and Mm -hmm. my children being awesome at sports. Or I'm going to worship God and... And my children. Yeah, and my children. You name it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and so I think any time we have added to the worship of God, it doesn't just dilute our worship of God, it infects it. It makes all worship of Mm -hmm. God impure. So yeah, I mean, it can be, if you're adding to the words of God, you're basically saying, God is my ultimate good, but also Mm -hmm. these things are good too, and I need these things. I don't see these things as something that God has given me. I see them instead as something I need alongside God. Mm -hmm. These are also things I cannot live without. That's right. Then you really, you have to look at your deal breakers. What are the things that if you did not have them, you would question the goodness of God? And let me just say very clearly, there are times when we question the goodness of God. You know, look at Job, who, you know, for no fault of his own, had good things removed from him. But it is a good exercise for us to ask, what are my deal breakers? What are the things Mm -hmm. that make me question the goodness of God? Because typically that's where we have started adding to what God has declared as good. Mm -hmm. Well, and that line very similarly is found at the end of Revelation. Like, Mm -hmm. do not, this is the word, do not depart from it, do not add to it, do not take away from it. Yeah. Yeah, the word ensnare happens a lot in, at least in the CSB, in Deuteronomy and in day five, which you guys just don't, you know, don't lose steam. Keep going all the way through day five. There's just a line in verse 16 of chapter seven that says, do not worship their gods for they will be a snare to you. And it happens over and Mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. There's just this picture of like, listen, you are fragile yeah. <laughs> in and of yourself. Like you will be deceived. You can easily be ensnared. Here's how to have long life. Here's mm-hmm. how to live, you know, and this is to keep my commands, to stay close. And I love, we get so much of God's heart in all of this book, but in, 
in chapter seven, and this is this is in your Friday reading. They're just these not even glimpses, really clear, pristine snapshots of yeah. God's heart. Yeah. In verse six, for you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord has set his heart on you and chose you, not because you were numerous, more numerous than all the peoples, for you are the fewest, but because the Lord loved you. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm paraphrasing because he loved you and he's keeping his promise to you Mm -hmm. and to your ancestors. So we're going to see so much of that in Deuteronomy, just like Mm -hmm. lots of law. It's going to keep coming and it's going to get really specific, Mm -hmm. but also just reminders of here's why, here's why. And we have to hold it both, you know? That's right. Let's do what we should do. Let's bring it back around to Christ, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do it. it. So people will tell me all the time, man, I just want to be more Christ-like. I just want to grow in in, in my Christ-likeness. So we read all of this about the law, and it feels crushing to us because we know that we have broken the law. And we also know, because people are faithful to tell us all the time, Christ has fulfilled the law perfectly, right, on our behalf. So are we saved by obedience to the law? Yes, just not by our own obedience. We're saved by Mm -hmm. Christ's perfect obedience to the law. It's His works that save us, right? But then we get to the next part, and that is, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed into whose image? Into the image of Christ. And how did Christ live? He obeyed the law. Like That's right. The law (laughs) shows us how to look like Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas before we were in Christ, it only judged us, now it shows us how to look like the one who has delivered us from death to life. So, and, you know, think about this whole story, like, the law is not given to Israel when they are enslaved in Egypt. It is given to Israel when they've been set free. And so Mm -hmm. also is the law given to us as those who are free in Christ. And that is why James calls it the law that gives freedom, because it shows us what it means to walk in the freedom of our salvation. It's the opportunity for us, by the power of grace, given to us through the Spirit, to be ever increasingly conformed to the image of the one who obeyed it perfectly on our behalf. I mean, praise hands. Thank you (laughs) so much. Jen Wilkin. But seriously, I'm silly, but I'm also serious. Like, thank you for that, because you're exactly right that it is the law is given for us to have freedom and to walk and to be like Christ. Jen, thank you for coming. The thing I love about this podcast that we get to do, and I'm so grateful for it, is that it's just our chance. Like, the whole reason we're doing this is really to support biblical literacy, to support and encourage Bible reading. We're not here to be the replacement for Bible reading for this week. Like our goal is that at the end of this episode, which here we are, you're going like, all right, I'm excited. I can do this. I'm excited to read Deuteronomy this week. You've given me just enough of little things to look forward to, to understand, and then just to go at it myself with the Spirit and and read this. And so I just hope that you listening will be encouraged by this episode to read and be a woman in the Word of God every day this week and to yes. read Deuteronomy. That is our goal. That is our prayer. That is our hope. And then also the other thing that we like about getting to have a podcast is that we get this chance to model conversation about God's Word. Yeah. And so I also hope that this excites you to have conversations with your friends, with yep. your family about what you're reading. And so if we can accomplish those two things for you, like that's what we're here to do. And that's what I'm praying for y'all as you go into this week. Now, a favorite thing that we do on the Sherry's Truth podcast after opening God's Word and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we found there is to ask our guest, Jen, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, or truth, or all three that are making you love Jesus more? I am, not only am I done sending kids off to college for the first time, I am now entering into a phase of life where my kids are choosing who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. And my daughter's having a baby. Oh, Oh my goodness. That's so exciting. And so as I anticipate becoming a grandmother, I just keep thinking about how the Lord has truly been faithful to our family. And that does not mean that everything has been easy. Mm -hmm. But I'm beginning to, if there are any young moms listening, and I would imagine there are, 
I'm beginning to enjoy the sweetness of those adult relationships with my children that have made a lot of those earlier times where you're like, does the Lord see? Does the Lord hear? Why have you brought me up out of Egypt to die here in the desert? Um, <laughs> that, that the Lord does see and He does hear and He acts and He covers a multitude of sins and shortcomings, mm-hmm. you know, that we are as parents. And He also blesses the work of our hands. I still remember the first time my daughter texted me, how can I pray for you today? Oh. You know, and so like, believe that the Lord will do it and pray to that end. Yeah, yeah. So that's what is true and good and beautiful for me right now is to be like, oh my goodness, these are my favorite people on the planet. And oh, um, I love it. And I get to see the next steps for them and not just see them, but participate in them. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, especially as we started our episode talking about what it is like to launch our children to <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, but the faithfulness and the reward of also getting adult relationships with our children is yeah. something that I so look forward to. I so look forward to that. Thank you. Well, friends, come back next week for week two of Deuteronomy. Yeah, Tasha Calvert's going to be with us. We're excited. Tasha, she's amazing. Yeah. Yes. We're so excited to have her on, and we're just going to keep reading, you guys. Yes. Keep going. And until next week, Jen, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>